To take a quote from Shelley, in Shelley's world, anything can be painted. So I want to show you how in your world, anything could be painted too. Let's go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today I have with me Shelly Denning, and Shelly is an interior decorative painter. Shelly works with homeowners, decorators, and designers to create unique finishes for walls, floors, ceilings, and furniture. She has been painting for over 30 years, crafting techniques and designs for traditional and modern interiors. With a strong sense of color and texture, she works with custom-tinted glazes used for techniques such as striae, linen, crosshatch, faux bois, faux marble, plaster applications, as well as stenciling and hand-painted murals. Shelley has an associate's degree in interior design, a BFA in sculpture, and a minor in art history. Through school, she took classes in woodworking, metalworking, printmaking, color theory, and more. She's very comfortable around all sorts of mediums. Her success is attributed to a can-do attitude, a bit of research, and a love for getting her hands dirty. One might say her painting career started as a young child when she set up a shop in her parents' garage, but in reality, it turned her painting abilities into a business right before having her first child by finding old furniture, painting it with fun designs to sell at local stores. At one of the stores, a customer asked if she could paint their walls, and the next thing she knew, she was traveling around New Jersey with a ladder strapped to the roof of her car. Mostly self-taught, she's taken some classes and is very well-versed in anything paint. So welcome Shelly today, and we are going to talk to you about the possibilities you haven't even thought of in your home by using decorative paint applications. And here we go. Hi, Shelly. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, Jill, thanks for asking me. This is so exciting. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's a great topic and you're an expert at what you do. So I really wanted to bring it to the audience today. So give a little bit of a brief introduction to yourself and, and what you do to the audience to start off. Uh, so I'm a decorative painter. And as my husband would say, in Shelley's world, anything could be painted. I love that. I know. He's put up with a lot for me over the years. Got <laughs> to painting years ago. But having said that, as a child, I've always been into arts and crafts, always felt comfortable getting my hands dirty and doing things. So um, I've just kind of taken that those skills that I've learned and turned it into a business. Painting. Isn't that funny? That's the same for me with decorating. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing it for about 30 years professionally, where I, I became, you know, it became a business for me with the intention that I could take time off to go to a school play or help out volunteering. And of course, that isn't always the case 
when I'm on a big project with new construction, they expect you to be there. So when the kids are sick, a lot of times my husband would have to take the day off. Yeah, I know. Cause it is, you know, you're running a business. I know. Business. And it gives us some flexibility, but like you said, you know, like if I had a client install or a photo shoot one day and my kids are sick and that was scheduled months in advance, you know, I had to be there. So I yep. get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. But so let's talk about decorative painting because you brought up this really good point when we were chatting, which is that I think when you say decorative painting to people today, a lot of people might just instantly harken back to like the eighties, right? When sponge painting. And I even remember really not that people wouldn't today, but really large murals. So let's talk about how people might think of it from what it was and let's talk about what it is now, because for me, I find it to be one of the most special applications I can do in my own home and in my clients' homes. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but it is really something that somebody has to use at least once in their home, I feel like, to add interest. So I'll let you expand on that more, but I, th- I think you brought a good point up about that as far as like how people might really think of it versus what it is. Yeah. So no, it did start, I think it's always been around. If you really go back to, you know, London in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, people have always been doing glazing. Foam marble has always been around for centuries, but it really was in the 80s when foam marble became popular. That's when I got into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sponge painting got very popular Yeah, and stenciling. And yeah. we all know what that looks like, but it has morphed over the, the years. And I kind of look at it like you can get a color on a wall that you can't get out of a fan deck. And right. by layering colors together, I think a lot of people get confused when you use the term glaze because they think of it as a shine. But really what a glaze is, is a substance that is void of color. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, I add the color and I layer that on so you get depth on your wall. And then you put it on in such a manner that gives you a technique or a texture. Mm-hmm. So when you add all that up together, you get a color on a wall that really can't be purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. Yeah. And I've done some, some jobs where we'll put a color on the wall and then I'll put another color on top of it and it'll just soften. It'll take some of the pigment out and You could never have used that color in its pure concentration, but by putting a glaze over it, it softens the color, it makes it a little more palatable, and it just kind of makes the wall sing. Glazing is a really great, I just let the audience know, it's a great technique to ask your decorative painter about whether you're using Shelly, who's in our area, or another decorative painter wherever you live. It can even, if you want sort of an antiqued look, it can do that. There's a lot of capabilities it has. And like Shelly says, it completely transforms a pigment to something that as the result, you could never get straight out of a can ever. It's really beautiful what it can do. I've even at clients' homes, we've even done silver and gold leaf on ceilings, but then a glaze over that so that it's not so bright and it's almost like a dulled antiqued version. And the glaze is what did that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just to give people like a visual of what it can do. It's um, considered a tea stain. Yes. It looks, you know what? That's a great way to describe it. It looks very much like that. Yeah. For sure. And then depending on like, I guess how heavy you apply it, right. That 
dictates yep. kind of like how dark and rich and yeah, it just or how light off of things in a lot of ways. And then I also I use the analogy for people who really don't get it. It's almost like putting a stocking on. You know what your skin color is, but then mm-hmm. you put a stocking on, and it just kind of softens it or adds to it and makes it you know a little more stunning. Yeah, yeah. So like we said, you know, there was the sponge painting and marble phase and all that, but with current applications, there's the glazing, like Shelly just mentioned. And then there's these wonderful things you can do with textures and plaster and combing and striés and patterns, I think are still very much, uh, we use decorative painting and pattern on walls still, and, and a custom stencil might be made. It's not the traditional old stencil way of stenciling it. So those are other current things too, that are really very sophisticated. That's what I think. I think when people think of the old way of decorative painting and the new way, at least to me, I feel like one today's is just so much more sophisticated. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times I'll take what would have been a wallpaper or inspired by a wallpaper and I'll either distill it down or I'll take that image and do it in an area that just doesn't work for wallpaper, like a bathroom or a hallway where there's kids involved and you would have right. on the wallpaper. So yes, yeah, stenciling is not, you know, those little duckies that we used to stencil in the eighties. You can do so many different things. You can apply the paint on a stencil in so many different ways to give it a little more interest. So yeah, I still do a lot of stenciling and it's, it's, again, it's funny because when I'll, say to a client, I think we should do a stencil immediately. They go back to the eighties and I'm like, no, no, no. I'll show them pictures of things I've done. And then they get more like a wallpaper. Exactly. And then will you explain a little bit about a strie? Because that's a very soft, beautiful effect. I think. And would you just explain a little bit about what that is? Strie is really has a history back in England. They would do that a lot in a high gloss. And a strie is, again, making a glaze and tinting it to whatever color palette you're working with mm-hmm. and then rolling it on and then dragging a brush through it. Mm-hmm. And it gives it very, very fine lines. And again, what it'll do is it'll either soften a color that you already have on the wall, or it'll bring more color to a wall that might otherwise be kind of pale and just kind of clean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of effects. So it's funny when we talk about applying texture to a wall, whether that be like Venetian plaster or, you know, these textured wallpapers are very much, you know, on trend for a while now and people are using them and people may not realize, but you can mimic that in decorative paint. And in fact, I might've given you the example my dining room, there was a really chunky woven sort of jute that I wanted on the walls to put paper on those walls was an issue because in the nineties, I want to say the room was painted with, there was a very popular paint at the time by Ralph Lauren, which had sand in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was for his suede paint, maybe Yes, it was the suede. Yeah. And it had been applied a few different times to this wall. Whoever lived here, it was several coats. And so anytime we looked at the wall, we were really going to have to go through a lot of what's called skim coating to smooth it out, to get any paper on there. And I had been working with decorative painting for quite a while with my own clients. And I thought, well, why don't I just paint it? So it's funny, it's in the room. And I can't tell you how many dinner parties we have. And people are like, 
they go up and they want to like touch and they're like, wait, is that paper or is that? And because it was created when we talk about plaster, a coating of plaster was added in a fashion to mimic the texture along with the pigment. But, you know, I know you and I spoke about that applying texture and doing this to your walls, if you're considering a textured wallpaper can also be more cost efficient too, right? Than buying and installing the paper. Most definitely. Some of the papers, although they're so lovely and really fun to work with, in some cases, they've become very unaffordable and you can get that same texture. I've been doing a lot of combing crosshatch technique. It's kind of like a very chunky burlapy weave and I'm, I'm getting it with paint. It looks great. It's great in bathrooms, again, hallways where you have a lot of kids and a lot of action going on, or it just is not affordable to do it with the real thing. Yes, because that step that I mentioned to skim coat walls is a very expensive process. Sometimes it needs to be done, but that would have added a lot of money to the project for me to have to do that. So mm-hmm. it was easier to do that. And I think you bring up a good point too. Now there are vinyl wallpapers and whatnot, but wherever you have moisture, even if it's vinyl, you know, there are still seams. And with paint, we don't have to worry about that, right? And in high traffic areas and, you know, yeah. so it is a, a nice thing to just know that it's, it's, as I like to say, it's just paint. And yes, exactly. So I've done the texture in my dining room. The next thing I'm going to get to, I think is my all time favorite thing. And you talk a lot about London and I was on a trip to um, London and Paris and we were in London first. And, you know, you mentioned decorative painting and everywhere we went, whether it was like the churches or museums or other buildings, there was decorative paint everywhere, like beautifully done in arches, very creatively done. And there was a lot on floors. And what's weird is the hotel we were staying in had a marble floor. But something about through the week after seeing all the decorative painting, and then I'm standing in the elevator and there was this wonderful classic pattern on the marble floor. It was like these big interconnected circles. I was like, I want that in my dining room, but in paint. Yeah. Well, it's so funny you should say that because I would say maybe twice, three times a year, I'll have somebody reach out to me and ask me to do a project, a floor project, and they'll say something to the effect, oh, I was in Paris, I was in London, I was at this hotel and I saw it done in marble. Can you do that in paint? And yeah, and it's fun. I think it's unexpected. I think painting floors is, you know, they say painting ceilings is the fifth wall. I think painting floors just can give a space so much dynamic input to your surroundings that you just kind of don't realize it can be done. It's so cool. And it's another showstopper in the house. And the huge benefit is the way my house is set up, it's a little weird. My dining room is kind of a pass-through. So it's it's connected to the kitchen, but you have to walk through it to go to the living room and family room. And over the years, having a rug there of any kind was such a pain for two reasons. A, it was a pass-through. And B, especially when the kids were young and even with older adults, when you're serving food, you know, and stuff's always spilling, it was such a pain. And I kept having to switch a rug. I don't have to worry about a rug. The floor can be gently mopped. I never have to worry about it. I love it in foyers. I love it in, you know, like enclosed porches, Mm -hmm. kitchens, staircases, or just the risers of the staircase. I mean, people really need to think about, I just think it's phenomenal. I love mine. And then you also have to think, yeah, I'll walk into a house. It'll be, let's say it's 4,000 square foot house. 
when you're looking at that, it's 4,000 square feet of wood flooring. Yeah. So, you know, the, it, you need to kind of break up the space. You'll put a rug in the dining room, a rug in the, but visually when you walk in, you do see a lot of flooring. And when you paint a floor, it just breaks it up. It makes the little area very special. So um, I love mine more. It's like one of the favorite things I did in my house, but it's funny because I was really inspired by being in London and then Paris, but London had quite a bit of it. And well, and Paris did too. Like when you go into churches and things like I took so many pictures just of different paint effects they did on walls and things. And I didn't even have to go to any museums to me, just like I had eye candy everywhere. It was like amazing to me. I love all that stuff, but to bring pieces of it into your home really can make it special, really can make it unique. Exactly. And you can use colors. Like, I mean, my, the pattern I ended up doing from London, it was, we did sort of a creamy tone and we added a glaze to the natural wood floor to kind of change that a little, but I've seen them done. And I think you've done them in like beautiful blues and whites, which is great in a coastal home. Exactly. So great. Like you can add some color to it if yeah. you want. So it doesn't have to be neutral. Oh yeah. I've done some staining patterns and then I probably do 75% of the work I do is just solid paint, tone on tone, different yep. colors their designs. And then I think a lot of people worry that it's going to wear down. I think people also have an image in their head of what a painted floor when it wears looks like, but products have gotten so great that if you do it right, I've been in houses where I've done it 10 years earlier and they switched out radiator and they needed some touch up and they had three kids and two dogs and an active lifestyle and the floor looked great. We sanded it lightly, put a fresh coat of clear coat on it. And it looked like it was brand new. So the products have gotten great. I always do a painted floor and then put three coats of clear sealer on it that doesn't yellow. Yeah. So you really have to get down through those three coats in order to get to the pattern. So they do wear really well. I can vouch for the fact it wears better than carpet. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> because between all the carpeting you had to clean or then I'd have to just buy inexpensive and keep replacing. Honestly, yep. this is easier. Yeah, no, I just did a, a dining room, which acted a little bit like a pass through. The woman had very young children and she's like, I've done one carpet. It got trashed and yep. I couldn't invest in another carpet knowing that the kids were, and I don't want to yell at the kids for trashing the carpet because they're just being kids. But so we painted the floor, did a really cool pattern on the dining room. And she's like, this is great. Love it. Yeah. And I've even seen it in kitchens where it's obviously a high traffic area and people love it. Yeah. I mean, I always tell clients it's a big bang for your buck because it's a little affected. Yeah. Really special. So I wanted to, to mention that. And it is really like one of my favorite things to do. Oh, I'll just go back for a second that when we talked about putting texture on the wall, and we might've touched on this a little, you can definitely put pattern on the wall. So if there's a wallpaper you've seen, or you kind of have a pattern or a motif of your own idea, that can be applied to the wall as well, instead of wallpaper. Right. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to, I can't remember if we covered that part, but it's texture or pattern on that really. If you like what you're hearing on Welcome Home to the Suburbs, I would be so appreciative if you would support the show. The best way to support the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would be so appreciative and I hope you will leave us a review. Thank you. Let's chat about, because we talk about the fifth wall, which is oftentimes the ceiling. And I do think decorative paint effects on ceilings are awesome. 
One thing I mentioned was sometimes leafing, silver or gold leafing. Mm -hmm. But a thing that I like to do a lot, and I did this in my powder room, I just did it in a client's foyer, is a high gloss. So you take a pigment and it's in a high gloss enamel, really. And I wanted to chat about that a little, how you can really both pop a color that way, add some interest that way, but then have you get into the behind the scenes that what's involved, it's a very labor intensive process. And so it's a more expensive application, but it is on the ceiling. So you're not walking on it. Yeah, that's part of the, I don't want to say a problem, but it's part of the labor ceilings notoriously are painted flat for a reason. And it's because when they do the initial contracting, they do a skim coat and they really don't spend a lot of time on it because the flat paint is going to hide any imperfections. Yeah. So when you do high gloss on a ceiling, you actually have to do, as the old adage goes, 85% crap and 15% paint because you will see every imperfection. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't matter. They're not going to spend a ton of money to get their high gloss. They're happy. They imperfections don't bother them. Other people that really bothers. And then that's where you really are spending the time and the money to make those ceilings perfect before Mm -hmm. you on the paint. And then let me just talk a little bit about the paint. A lot of people call it lacquer. And in a true sense of the word, it is not lacquer because lacquer is a substance into itself where it dries almost instantly. Yeah. And it gives you a lot of shine, but the product that is giving you the most amount of shine is an oil-based paint by Fine Paints of Europe. Yeah. And it's a brilliant finish and it truly is the highest sheen that you can find on the market. And it is truly, truly stunning. Um, That is the one to use. I'll just reiterate that again and we'll put it in the show notes. It's Fine Paints of Europe and it's their, they call it their enamel. Do they call uh, it? A brilliant Holland Act. And I'm probably got this wrong because I just use it as fine paints of Europe, brilliant finish. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But it is oil paint. And when you use an oil paint, it's going to take three to five hours, depending on your humidity level to dry. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be done in a dust-free situation. Mm-hmm. Where- environment where you really can't have a lot going on because the oil is going to want to like invite the dust to sit on it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So in order to do it right, you really need to set up fans. You need to set up exhausts. There's some companies that I know that have machines that literally suck all the dust out of the room before they even start. So you couple that with the amount of sanding and prep work you do in order to do it right without a lot of dust on your finish, you really have to spend like a good two or three weeks to get it done. Uh, it takes lot. time, but once it's done, and the other thing is other applications for that are we've done front doors, yes, which is beautiful. And we recently did a large staircase railing. Oh, so instead that. of staining the railing, a different color, we actually, the front door and the staircase railing got painted. I think we actually did it in, it's a color like wrought iron from Ben Moore, but we used to find paints of Europe, like a dark charcoal. Yep. And like you said, it's a sheen that you can't get from another paint. So I will just say to the audience to really get the true look of it, you need the fine paints of Europe. You can also use it. A lot of people are using it in studies and libraries where you take all the built-ins and all the molding and they're all painted the same color. So like a dark navy blue one has been popular. I've seen that a few times. I've seen people do it in like a beautiful bright green, a pistachio green, 
Wedgwood blue, but you paint everything, every piece of molding, and it's all in that high intensity and it's just beautiful. Yeah. And I've done it in situations where they don't want to go to the expense of doing everything. So they use the same exact color on the trim and the walls, but they'll do the walls in a matte or an eggshell finish. Yes. They'll do all the trim and the bookcase, the built-ins, the windows in the high gloss. And that's a really fun look too. That's a great look. And you kind of get to see it in the different finishes. And I like that a whole lot. Yeah. 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 It's really, really pretty on these applications. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think the overall message here is just, I really want people to think of it when they're designing their home. Think of little places you can add it or big places you can add it. It has a huge impact. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Oh, definitely. And then one thing that I want to touch on, which is, is kind of like a situation that people people look at color in different ways and they have different reactions to colors and picking out colors and, and figuring out what color works best in a room. I think people have to go into it thinking, you know, getting your samples, putting them up, walking by at different times of the day, your sample up that in a place that is not looking directly into sun so that Mm -hmm. you really are seeing the true color of it, putting it next to an element that's important in the room. I was just on a project where they kept looking at the color next to the window trim, Mm -hmm. looking into the window so the light's coming at them, so they weren't reading it. And then they were looking, they should have been looking at it next to the color that was on the cabinets in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. They moved it across the room and they put it next to the kitchen cabinet, the color was completely different. Completely. Yeah. So looking at color, and then also when you're looking at a color that's going to be, have a little extra pigment, you know, imagine that it's going to be four walls done in that color. Mm -hmm. And so the color that you see on that tiny little swatch is really going to be, in a lot of cases, very vibrant and the the four walls kind of bounce off of each other. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important to get your samples. They have a couple of great websites where you can order larger samples and put them up in different areas of your room. So you're not going out getting the actual paint and painting it on a board. Yeah, we recommend um, Samplies, which is great, samplies.com. And they send pretty good size ones that stick to the wall and they don't damage the wall. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then also, I think something that I've, I've noticed over the years is when people start looking at color, obviously they don't do it for a living and it might be the first time that they're decorating, but they have to appreciate that gray can be a good thing. And mm-hmm. you can have blue, but just having a little bit of gray undertone to it softens the color and you know makes it work in a room. If you have, a lot of times they'll go to a color that'll be very bright, a lot of pigment, not realizing that that, again, when it's done on four walls, becomes a completely different look. And it's a lot. And I'm glad you're saying this because I can't tell you how many times a day, it happens daily, multiple times, people crowdsource on social media for paint colors and it makes me crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, if you need it to like guide you which swatches to go get, but, you know, Gray Owl is going to look and it's funny. Everybody says as they says yeah. they use gray owl. Every time I've tried gray owl in my own home or clients' homes, it's actually never worked. But people love gray owl. I have not used it once because yeah. it's never looked good. But it's really important because a color in my house, you could come in and love it. You could go get the swatch and put it up in your house and it looks like mud. And 
it's really important to take the time and in the right places, like you just said, and looking at it, you know, against the right things, because I've then seen on Facebook, people who have done that, where they said, oh no, I just painted the whole house in Sherwin-Williams alabaster and it's looking all pink. It doesn't look right in my house. And they just went and painted the whole house. So if you spent a hundred bucks on samples, you're saving money because it's your insurance policy that when the painter comes, the right color's going up. Yeah. And that's a big sticking point for me. So I'm just emphasizing and I'm glad you brought it up. And then also another thing that is, I find like just recently, like within like the last five years, lighting is so different now than it's ever been. And a lot of light bulbs have a blue undertone, a lot of yellow undertone, and that really does affect the color of paint that you use on your wall. I actually was trying to convince a woman that, that the color was off in her mind because of the light bulb. And I went out and bought the two different colors and installed them in the recessed lighting. And she's like, oh, I get it. So it really does matter what kind of lighting you're looking at your paint. It's funny because we painted our kitchen cabinets agreeable gray. Mm -hmm. And on one end of the room, a couple people came in and they thought it was a greenish color. And I said to my husband, why is everybody reading it green over there? It's green. He goes, it looks a little green to me. Well, I recently had to go and change out a bunch of our bulbs because the electrician came and he's like, you need all the same. And he told me what to get. And as I was over there, I was like, wait, yeah, this cabinet is casting pink and this one is casting green. And I took out the old incandescent and I put in the new 2,700 LEDs that he told me to get. And all of a sudden it was like night and day. Yeah. And there wasn't that shadow over there anymore. Yeah. But yeah, that is making a huge difference with these new lighting fixtures that are coming out, the amount of light you get in your own home. It's a huge factor. Yes, it is. And something just to be mindful of when you're looking at color. Yeah. We can touch on it a little. I don't think you do it anymore. You did at one point, I'm sure, because your husband said you painted everything. But decorative paint for furniture, I think, is a nice way to revive a piece that you have in your home. Maybe it's an heirloom you don't want to get rid of, but you can kind of bring it into like current and fun by putting a high gloss paint on it, right? Or pop a color. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I, I mean, I still do a little bit of furniture. I used to do a lot years ago. And yeah, I mean, I so many times have painted furniture that was great Aunt Betty's and she she was so wonderful. And I've got to, you know, I've got to keep that piece, but it doesn't look right. So yeah, you can you can do all sorts of things with paint. And there's all different applications. The high gloss is great. Again, when you're doing, if you're going for that high gloss, you really should be taking it to somebody who has a shop that can spray it and spray it in a spray booth because it really is pretty tough to get a nice clean finish without lots of dust. I was going to ask you that. So if it's high gloss, it should be done in a spray booth. If you're painting in another type of finish though, can you use a brush? Can you hand brush? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of chalk finish and, and I think people have an image of the chalk paint and whether it's positive or negative, but I do a fair amount of that still. And that's all done in, in brush because you really do want that brush stroke to work as part of your, your decor. Yeah. And then I love doing a wax finish and I'll tint a lot of the waxes. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. It just gives it a very Swedish antique look. It really isn't distressed like it was back in like the nineties where everybody was distressing furniture. It's just yeah. Like, like the shabby chic era. Yeah. Yeah. But it just really gives it a depth. I just was at a client's house and they painted a piece of furniture and this 
unbelievable living room and they painted a piece of furniture black. And I'm like, you know, good call that you painted it black, but you should really wax, put on some wax and give it a wax finish because it just gave it like a luster and a depth to the black, which go figure, you wouldn't think that black would have depth to it, but you really need that in order to just kind of bump it up a notch. Yeah, it's so nice in all these techniques. And I noticed too, what's cool with vintage furniture is depending on the moldings and the carvings, even if it just gets painted white, the way that they pop and it, it could be, it makes it really interesting. I used to have a little business where I took like that brown furniture from the thirties and forties yeah. and yeah. I would just paint it white mostly. And I used to sell it. I had a little booth down in Stanford, but it was just amazing how you could transform it. Like I would do it to mirrors. It was nice on like a small chest or a night table and all those carvings and stuff would just pop in this new way. And it looked so fresh and new. It was interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes I used to let some of the brown peek through, like if it was, sometimes mm-hmm. it was something that had leaves or something. So if some of the brown was peeking through, it actually was kind of nice. Yeah. I've done um, it. just sand the edge of the application or the applique. I'll just sand a little bit of the leaf just so that it gives it a little more depth to it. Exactly. So you don't have to completely saturate it. But so I digress a little, but you and I had talked about that. And I always like to mention it because you can take a piece that you've had and you kind of don't want to get rid of it, but it's brown and it doesn't work. And I've seen things done in hot pink and navy blue oh, and yeah, Kelly yeah, green. And it's it. like, it's like a whole new, beautiful piece. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I recommend it. And then you just maybe switch out the hardware and, and you're done. So exactly. yeah, all good. So yeah, as I was saying that, I just think this is a, a big message to hit home. You live it. So, you know, obviously all that can be done and all that can be accomplished with it, which is amazing. I think you've given us a lot of tips and advice. If you have anything else, let us know, and then let the listeners know where they can find you on social media, any website, and we'll put that in the show notes so people can click and find you, Shelly. Oh, thank you. So I don't have a website. I've always meant to do it, but never had the time to put one together. But I am on Instagram at Shelly Paint. It's S-H-E-L-L-Y Paint. And yeah, follow me there. I post a lot of my projects, not as much as I probably should be. But yeah, it's I love Instagram. That's my little portfolio. Yeah. And yeah, if you visit Shelly's Instagram page, you can see her work there. And it is, it is kind of the best portfolio. I agree. My stuff too. People say, well, what on your website? And I'll say, honestly, follow me on Instagram. You'll learn and see a lot more there. <laughs> exactly. And you know, you can keep people up to date on Instagram and I think that you can do a better job doing a little bit of a backstory about what the project is that you're doing that I find to be a little more interesting. Yeah. So if you're in the Fairfield County, Connecticut area, Shelly is here. If you are not in this area, I encourage you to find a decorative painter in your area and add it to your home. That's my big message. Yeah. And then I also do a lot of traveling for my work, mostly mm-hmm. tours, go all over the place. So I know you do. I called you, you were in Charleston. So that's the thing too. If you're a designer and you need Shelly, she does travel. <laughs> yeah. Love to go yeah. places. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you for your time coming on. I really appreciate it. I think it's an important conversation. I hope the audience learned from it and gets inspired to do some fun stuff in their home. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If anybody has any questions, feel free to direct message me on Instagram. I'd love to, I can talk about paint all day long. Absolutely. Okay, Shelly, we'll catch up soon. Thanks. 
So just to recap, I really thought it was important to bring this episode to you because in the beginning, as I mentioned, I don't think a lot of you might think of it and have these various applications that you can apply in your home that make things so unique, so special. They're a real pleasure to look at any small area of my home that I've done. I really enjoy it. And when I bring it to my clients' homes, they just can't believe how paint can transform and how these effects can transform. And even think about, we talked briefly about furniture, but I've had clients who had furniture that overall they liked the shape of it. They liked that it was built well and solid. It was really functional for them, but how could they update it? And get really creative. Like we even added tortoise finishes to furniture, metallics. You can make something look like a faux wood that isn't, or not even faux, it'll look like wood. Or so if you have a wood and you want it to make it look like white oak, they can paint it faux, but it looks natural. So there's a million and one things you can do. And so it was really important for me to bring this to you because I want you to think about doing it in your home. I always want to be here to inspire you and feel like, you know, you can accomplish great things in your home. So Shelly is in the Fairfield County area. She does travel. So reach out to her, even if you're not in the area, you could be in an area she's willing to go to or has gone to. But otherwise, please reach out in your area to any local decorative painters. Please keep in mind, this really is a specialty. I have had even in my area, painting crews that are like, oh yeah, I can do that. I'll do that. But it really is a technique and a specialty. So you want to make sure that it's somebody who really has experience in it, really understands the techniques, has used them quite a bit. So ask for pictures, portfolio references, particularly if it isn't a company that specializes in it. You know, Shelly specializes in it. There's a couple other companies here where that is their specialty. So if another painting company has a painter on staff that does know how to do it and that's possible, just make sure of that because these applications are specific and you do want them done correctly so that the result is good for you and your home. So as always, from my home to yours, it's been a pleasure and always feel to reach out and ask any questions or continue the conversation. I would love to hear from you. Thank you and I will see you here soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.